All right, once again, if uh, you're a guest and you didn't realize your child can go out to Children's Church, that's ages three through eight, they can head out at this time. Uh, the rest of us who are still young at heart, please take our Bibles and open up to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter three. Uh, so it goes Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Uh, today we're going to uh, bring this series to a close. So if you're a first time guest, what we've been doing is going through and hitting certain parts of the book of Philippians as I uh, close out a series in my ministry here at Calvary. And so today we want to look at uh, Philippians chapter 4. We want to read uh, verses uh, 20 through 23. All right, so if you don't have a Bible, listen closely and we'll explain this as we go along. Uh, so this is Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 20. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 21. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren are with me. Greet you. Verse 22. And all the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. All right, so here's uh, on the screen a few of the things that we've been learning as we go through the book of Philippians. The theme of the book. So if you ever pick up your Bible and read the book of Philippians... Chapter 1, verse 25, sets the, the theme that God wants you to advance or go further in the joy of faith. All right? So Christians are supposed to be joyful people. And God wants you to make an advance in your joy despite what your circumstances might be. Now remember, this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in the Greek city, Philippi. And when he was there to start the church, he actually got thrown into jail. And uh, his back was lacerated with whips, and he had his hands and his feet put in stocks. And uh, so the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that at midnight, Paul and Silas were singing songs and worshiping the Lord even with their imprisonment and all of their wounds. They had joy in spite of their circumstances. And so God wants you to go further in the joy of your faith. So if you have faith, if you're a believer in Jesus, then he wants you to have joy, but to advance in that joy. Now, here's a simple thing that God wants you to remember. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. No, rejoice in the Lord always. So... You can say to yourself when you're in difficult circumstances, hey, I need to rejoice right now because God has told me to rejoice in the Lord always. All right, so today's message is entitled Greet Every Saint. So if you have a newer translation, uh, that's what it says is to greet every saint. The old King James says salute, which just means this, give honor, attention, or respect to every saint. Now, that word saint might throw you off, so we'll explain that as we go through. All right, so let's look here. Uh, this message really has two points. 
The first one is found in verse 20 about the glory of God. And then the second one is going to be found in verses 21 through 23. So can you stay with me today for two points? All right. So two things to walk away from. So our joy is the glory of God. So look with me at verse 20. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. So you can see two subpoints underneath that. Uh, blessing usward, all right, and then blessing Godward. So God gives his blessing to us, and then we in turn want to give a blessing to God. So if you can walk out of here today knowing, first of all, that God is going to bless you for being gathered together in his presence, but then you go out of these doors and you want to be a blessing to God and give him blessing. So these are the two things that we're going to look at. So here's two religious terms that you may have heard of, but you should be familiar with them. So verse 20 is a very short statement of giving praise to God. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, <clears throat> now how we know our two points, each one of the points ends with the word amen, which just is to underscore the truth of what has just been said. But this is known as a doxology. It comes from the Greek word doxa, which means glory. What life is about is giving God glory. Life is not about us. It's about God. You know, we get so trapped in our earthly existence and the cares of our everyday life. Do I have health to go to work to make money to put food on my table to pay the bills so I can keep a roof over my head uh, so I can uh, put clothes on my kids as they, you know, as they grow and not wearing high waters, right? And their, their toes sticking out of the end of their shoes or uh, so I can drive a, a dependable automobile. So we, we get caught up in our existence and we forget that life is about God's existence. And so we'll talk about that in a moment. And then the second half of this one, uh, as we see in verse 21 through 23, Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. And then we come down to verse 23. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So the first word that you should be familiar with is a doxology, bringing God glory. The second word that you should be familiar with comes to us out of the Latin language, where we get our English word benediction, which just means a blessing. We want to uh, receive God's blessing, and God wants to give us a blessing. So today, uh, we're going to explain uh, that God wants to put a blessing on your life. And who is this blessing for? And we'll invite you to participate in that blessing that God wants to give to you. And so a benediction is a blessing that is given out or administered during a religious service, such as today. And so we want to put a blessing upon God's people. And um, <clears throat> so if you have your Bibles and you want to turn over to the Old Testament, uh, the most famous blessing is found in the book of Numbers chapter 6, uh, verses 22 through 27. So I'll give you just a moment to turn there. 
uh, before I start reading. Um, <clears throat> some of the feedback that I get from the congregation is, wow, pastor, you're going really fast. You mentioned a reference, and I'm moving through the pages of the Bible as fast as I can, and I can't keep up with you, so I'm stalling to give you some time to find it. All right, so what book of the Bible was it? Numbers. All right, chapter 6, verses 22 through 27. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and his sons, saying, On this wise shall you bless the children of Israel, saying unto them. So God instructed Moses, Aaron, and the priests to bless the people. Isn't that nice to know that God wants to bless you? So many people think God is an angry ogre and that he's out to send people to hell. Well, God wants to bless us. And so he says to Moses, this is how you're to bless the people. Saying unto them, verse 24, and here's the blessing. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. So as we come back to Philippians chapter 4, and we look at verse 20, uh, blessed be God the Father. So there's God's name. And he wants to put a blessing upon us today. And so my joy as a pastor is to preach a final sermon in which, by the authority of God, I can put a blessing on you as a parting message. And so that is my desire today, is to put the name of God upon this congregation and to leave you with a blessing. And so we'll talk about that in just a moment. And many times it follows the form of a prayer. Um, and so the Old Testament contains many benedictions. But if you would, let's just for a moment go through some of Paul's letters and see that this is how he ends each one of his letters. So go over, uh, just go back a couple of pages to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Look with me at verses 23 and 24. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all of them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. So Paul ends each one of the letters that he writes with a blessing. And he's talking about the grace of God remaining upon the people who read his letters. So as you listen to the sermon today, may the grace of God rest upon you and remain upon you. And so we'll do this at the end of the sermon, um, is just to give a, a prayer of blessing. And so then it ends with amen, which is just that affirmation that underscores the, the preceding truth of this message. Uh, I'll just read another one to you. This is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. It says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God 
and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. So amen means truly, that this is a truth. And so the grace of God remain upon us. There was a pastor many years ago <clears throat> who was preaching a, a message and he wanted to end the message with a benediction. But there were many people uh, in the congregation who actually didn't know Jesus as their savior. And uh, his heart was, was burdened. And um, so these were his words. Um, he said to the congregation on that day, he said, um, how shall I bless this whole assembly when every person in it does not love the Lord Jesus Christ and would be on their way to hell? Uh, well, that was a, a very shocking statement uh, to one man in the congregation, and I'll finish the story in just a second. But notice, if you will, very carefully who the blessing is intended to be given to, all right? So Philippians chapter 4, verse 21, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. So if you're here today and you're not trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're not going to be able to receive the blessing because you don't understand what grace is. But may I take a moment to share with you what grace is? And give you an opportunity, maybe even in the middle of the sermon, to, to ask Christ to receive his grace. Grace is God's undeserved favor. We, we can't do anything to earn, merit, or deserve the goodness of God toward our lives. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, grace is God's gift that he extends to unworthy people. And we're all unworthy, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God that we're talking about. His perfection, what makes him praiseworthy. Our behaviors, our actions, our thoughts, our attitudes are sinful. And we need God's grace. Uh, and God's grace um, motivated him, and his love motivated him to send Jesus Christ to come into human existence. Now, Jesus has always existed, but he took upon himself a human body, flesh and bones and blood. And he lived a sinless life, and he was qualified then, because of his sinless life, to die to pay your penalty of your sin. You say, well, what's the penalty? For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is the grace of God. He died for you even though you're unworthy. And he calls out to you then not only to give mental assent to the historical fact that Jesus Christ died on a cross, but then to give your personal desire, your will, your, your, your volition to him. That yes, Jesus, I will acknowledge that I am a sinner and I cannot save myself. There's nothing I can do about my sin problem. So therefore, you're the only solution. And what you did for me by dying on the cross 
Would you please apply that to me? Would you make your death apply to my life and to pay for my sins? And when you believe in your heart that you're a sinner and can't save yourself and that Jesus Christ is the solution for your sin, and you believe that Christ died for you and that he loves you so much that he wants to forgive you of your sins, then you will call on him. You'll express the belief that's in your heart with your mouth, and you'll ask him to become your Lord and Savior. Uh, many years ago, it was in the first couple of years that we were here, um, Ginny Mincy was talking to a, a, a sister in the Lord, and uh, she said, well, tell me, how did you come to know the Lord as your Savior? And she said, well, I believe. I believe in my heart this is what God has done for me. And Mrs. Mincy said to her, well, have you ever asked the Lord to save you, to make that become your salvation, to become for you? She said, no, I didn't know that I was supposed to. Well, that's what the scripture says. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you have to ask, all right? If you don't ask, you can't receive. That's a scriptural truth. So who's the blessing for today? Well, for every saint. Now, the word saint has such heavy religious connotation to it today. You hear it on the news, and it's usually associated with some dead person uh, who supposedly has had their image appear on a piece of toast, right? Or uh, some answer to prayer, or some miracle has been done. And uh, so according to uh, the Roman Catholics, there's only 400 saints that have existed for the last 2,000 years. Well, that's not the Bible definition of a saint. The Bible definition of a saint is any person, every person, who has just done what I was sharing with you, admitted that they're a sinner, cannot save themselves, believes in their life, in their heart, that Jesus Christ is the payment for their sin, and then called on him, asking him to be Lord and Savior. Then, at that moment, you become a saint. So this room is filled with saints today. So don't let that word saint throw you off. A saint is anyone who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, um, let's keep going here, all right? So, verse 20, And now unto God the Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So the first one is the blessing usward. The blessing is God providing you an opportunity to be saved from the consequences of your sin, the forgiveness of your sin. And the grace of God comes into your life and begins to radically transform your life, begins to radically change you because you begin to think like Christ. You begin to think like a Christian. Uh, believers were first called Christians in Antioch, Syria. Not Antioch, California, but Antioch, Syria. Because they looked like Jesus. And so it was originally a term of derision. But it became a name of honor to be called a Christian because it's someone whose life has changed and they look like Jesus Christ. And so that's the blessing usward. Now, the second part of this then is the blessing Godward. 
So you'll receive a blessing if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today. But then when you walk out of these doors, you exist to bring glory to God. That's what every person exists for. We're made in his image, and we're supposed to reflect his image. We're supposed to bring glory to his name. And so the ultimate purpose of life is to bring glory to God forever. And so this whole letter is summed up in this verse. Uh, Whatever means, and in every age, and through all creatures, God is to be glorified. So Paul's thoughts move beyond just the present existence into the future because it says forever and ever. So God is so glorious that not only does he receive glory in the past, he receives glory now, but he will receive glory in the future. Uh, How can you bless the Lord or bring glory to his name? Let's just bring that down in a practical way. It just means make his name respected, to make his name known in the culture, in the society, the world in which you live, in a good way, all right? Not as a cuss word, right? Um, Not as a notorious hypocrite, right, who's done something wrong. That doesn't bring any glory to God. Uh, But bringing glory to God, um, for example, by let your light so shine before men that they may see your Father who is in heaven and, and bring glory to him. So your changed conduct brings blessing and glory to God's name. And so you can be a blessing to God And really, here's something that is so wonderful, it's a transforming truth, is that your life has a different purpose, and you have a cause that is greater than you, because you live for Him. That's what it means to bring glory to God. All right, now let's move on to the second point, our joy, Uh, the grace of Jesus Christ, verses 21 through 23. Salute every saint in Christ. The brethren which are with me greet you. And all the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So our joy comes through the grace that Jesus Christ gives to us. So here there's a change in Paul's vocabulary in verse 21. Uh, Greet every saint. Now, he didn't say all saints. He changed it from the plural form here to the singular form. Maybe the church in Philippi had grown uh, to the point where he didn't know everybody who was in that church. So what he does then is he changes it from a, a generic group to, hey, if there's even one new saint in that church, I want them to receive the blessing, every saint, the individualistic application. So on our grounds today, we've got people over here at the fire pit cooking your lunch, right? You've got people in the nursery watching your children. You've got people teaching uh, your little ones in, in children's church, and then we're all here in this room together. But God wants you as an individual to walk out of here today receiving the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, receiving the blessing, you as an individual. 
So let's just be honest for a few moments, all right? Because I've heard this. Um, you know that we're leaving uh, and moving to Washington. And I've heard someone say, well, this feels like a curse. It's not a curse, okay? It's the blessing of God and his sovereign wisdom. And so we're going to leave with a blessing upon you today because that's what God desires. And so there's no malicious intent in my mind. I'm leaving this church and I want to see them cursed. No, 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 no. That's never the, the heart of a shepherd, okay? Because first of all, this is not my church. This church belongs to the chief shepherd, amen? And so he's the one who paid the price for it, and it's his blood. He's the one who washes and cleanses and sanctifies it with the preaching of the Bible every week. He's the one who has gifted it, as we read in the scriptures today, maybe you didn't understand our scripture reading, but when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. That just means he gave us spiritual gifts, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do what needs to be done. So you'll have the Holy Spirit with you as a church. And where two or three people are gathered together in his name, there he is in our midst. So Jesus is with us today, and he intends to give every single one of you a blessing. And so he, he gives them greetings here. Uh, so he has really two verses of uh, individual greetings, verses 21 and 22. All the saints salute you chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. Um, so, first of all, he gives his own greeting, all right? Um, I want you, for me, on my behalf, to greet or to salute every saint. Now, this is not unusual to end a letter in Paul's day and age this way. It was the way that the Greeks and the Romans closed their letters. Uh, but their letters went something like this. Hey, I hope that you'll be in good health and that you'll prosper. And that's how an ancient Greek or a Roman letter closed. But God totally transformed how you would close a letter. Maybe when you write an email... You can put a different closing at the end of your email from now on, right? Um, maybe it can be blessings in the name of Jesus. Or it could be a, a radically different way of just saying, hey, goodbye, all right? But in the ancient world, it was like, hey, I hope you're in good health, you know, good luck to you, all right? But that's not how Paul, through the Holy Spirit, closed his letter. Um, he closes it out with verse 23, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. So the apostle sends his personal greeting, every saint, uh, the individualistic every, to declare that every saint is worthy of his concern. So as we leave here today, I'll just be honest with you, I woke up about three times last night. And it wasn't because something was wrong. I think God woke me up three times. And on my heart were you. I'm just praying for different people within the congregation. And there is going to be sadness in my heart. So stay in contact. 
so that we can continue praying for you, continue our friendship. So <clears throat> here, every saint in Christ Jesus is worthy of that blessing. So here's something that, that's very interesting, okay? God the Father receives glory forever and ever. Um, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Uh, the way that we think of people, all right, um, is to think of what they're going to be in Christ Jesus. They're going to be glorified. They're going to be sanctified perfectly. There will be no more sin. Now, the ugly truth is, if you're not from Calvary, in this local church, we sin against one another. That's just the nature of Christians who have, still have a sin nature. And if you don't believe that, then you just need to read your New Testament because it gives so many instructions on how you make things right or that you try to make things right. But, you know, the blessing behind all of that is in spite of all of those difficulties and relationship issues and the sins that we have, we're all going to receive the same blessing from God in eternity. We're all going to be changed into the perfect image of His Son, Jesus. So there's no one in this room today who in any way is a better Christian than someone else sitting in the row in front of you, behind you, or the person next to you. We all have to receive the grace of God. We all have to receive his blessing. We will all be changed into the image of Jesus one day. And so that's the grace that allows us to remember how to fellowship with one another. So he mentioned some specific people that... Um, bring the, the greeting to them, all right? So the brethren which are with me. So this might be Epaphroditus, this might be Timothy, all right? These might be uh, Paul's close circle of friends, all right? So his companions. He's saying, you have my greeting, you have the greeting of my close uh, circle of friends, the companions. Then notice with me in verse 22, um, all the saints salute you, okay? All the, the Christians in the city of Rome are, are sending their greeting to the Christians in the city of Philippi. Then he says something absolutely stunning. But chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. That is the power of God on full display. That would be like someone writing a letter today from Washington, D.C. to Hollister, California, and saying, all the saints in Washington greet you, chiefly those in the White House. Now, some of you might not think that there are any Christians in the White House. There's at least a few, all right? Because the Bible tells us that God does not leave himself without a witness. And, and I know that our president has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ explained to him. I've had a believer tell me he's a chaplain uh, in the U.S. military, when President Biden's son was dying, um, the chaplain was there and was sharing the gospel. So I know our president has heard it. But here in the upper echelon of political power of the ancient Roman world were Christians in Caesar's household. Now, they might not be, you know, high-ranking members of his household. We, we think that there were a few but they might have been uh, butchers, they might have been uh, maybe 
people who cared for the horses. They might have been uh, people who were just, you know, household slaves that made bedrooms up and, and things like that. But yet they're within the palace. So here's something that I just want to encourage you with. You, as an individual believer, you have a circle of influence. Your life has value and influence. And there are people next to you. There are people around you. And God wants you to share Jesus with them. And what will happen in this local church is when you begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with your sphere of influence, is God will begin connecting the spheres together. The spheres will overlap. You say, well, how do we know that? Well, it's very interesting. In the book of Acts, when Paul was preaching the gospel for the very first time in the city of Philippi, there was a woman, a businesswoman, Lydia, a seller of purple. She wouldn't go to the pagan temples to worship God. She went down to the river where there were no idols. And she was crying out, God, who are you? I want to know you. And God sent Paul and preached Jesus. And the Lord opened her heart so she could receive Christ as her Savior. She said, if you find me worthy, come into my home. Come into my sphere of influence. And they used that home as a base of gospel proclamation by way of application. Use your home as a base of gospel proclamation. Look around the room. Invite somebody into your home. Share a meal with them. Find out if they know Jesus. Then if you find Christian brothers or sisters, partner up with them. And then invite somebody who doesn't know Jesus to share dinner with you and share the gospel with them. That's your sphere of influence. That's why God has given you a home to be a base of gospel operation, a base of proclaiming the gospel. And uh, so many times we retreat to our home as a hermit and think, no, God's not going to get in here. No, nobody from the church is ever going to be over here. Well, then you got the wrong purpose for your house. Okay. All right, let, let me get back to the thought here, though. Then what happened in the city of Philippi was the jailer, Remember, Paul and Silas got thrown into jail. They had lacerations on their back. Their feet were in stocks and bonds. And at midnight, they were singing and praising God. The story goes that God sent a great earthquake. The doors of the, of the cells bounced open. The stocks uh, bounced open. And the jailer thought, oh no, everybody has escaped. And I'm going to kill myself. So Paul cries out to the jailer, do yourself no harm. Everybody is still here. And because of that, the jailer comes trembling before Paul and Silas, and he asks a simple question because he's heard two Christians having joy in spite of their circumstances, advancing in the joy of their faith while they're in pain, in prison. And he says, what do I need to do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You and your household shall be saved, your sphere of influence. So the jailer, his family, and then his servants, Lydia and her servants, and so then those sphere of influence were connected. You don't know who you can reach with the gospel if you'll just open up to the idea that every single person you meet needs the grace of God, has 
a sphere of influence and you link them together, begin to think missionally, think evangelistically, think this way for the glory of God. And so this is what we can apply from this phrase, they that are of Caesar's household. Even in Caesar's palace, the gospel is being proclaimed. What an amazing God we serve. And he can do this over and over again today within the homes of Hollister. If you'll just open your home, open your sphere of influence to Christ. And so uh, those are some amazing things. And so uh, these are the blessings. All right, now let's bring this message to a close with verse 23. Uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Go with me back to chapter 1, please. So, Philippians chapter 1. Let's read verse 2. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. The book starts with God's grace. It comes full circle. It ends with God's grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. His undeserved favor is put upon these Christians. And so this is Paul's closing benediction. Okay? But for Paul, this is not just religion. The name of Christ is mentioned over 40 times in this little letter. On average, that's once every two or three verses. Christianity is not organized religion. It's a vibrant relationship with Jesus. And this is how Paul was ending. I want you to receive God's undeserved favor and help. You know, we're all broken people today. There's, all, there's, there's just something wrong in, in, with us because we're sinful people. But yet God's grace is available to us. And we can receive God's grace. And so that's the blessing that Paul puts upon these Christians is God's grace. Yeah, even Christians are broken people. And we need the blessing of God. And so would you join with me in... Just opening your heart. Uh, first of all, if you don't know Jesus, why don't you just ask him to become your savior right now? Because he wants to put a blessing on you. He loved you so much that he gave his son. And you can put your trust in him. And just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. But I believe, I trust what you did for me. So I ask you, Jesus, forgive me of my sin and become my savior and if you'll do that right now in the quietness of your mind and just ask him he'll save you for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved that's his promise and now you're ready to receive the benediction and the blessing so what i'm going to do is i'm going to uh, take that passage in numbers chapter six and i'm going to take our text here in uh,
Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to put them together. All right, let's uh, all stand for the benediction, the blessing. Now, as I mentioned to you that I would come back to the end of the story about the man who did not uh, know Christ as his Savior, 50 years later, he lived to be 100 years old. And that pastor said, I can't put the blessing upon every single one of you because not all of you know Jesus. Well, 50 years later, he remembered that message. And at the age of 100, he trusted Christ as a Savior. And ultimately, that benediction was for him. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ, it's with sadness I can't bless you. But the great majority of you, we can bless today. And so the benediction is for every saint who knows Jesus as Lord and Savior. Let's pray.